1: Welcome back to the New European Podcast. My name is Steve Anglesey. I'm joined today by Matt Kelly, the editor of the New European. Hello, Matt. Hello, Steve. Uh, Another bizarre week on planet Brexit. Uh, We'll be talking later on about the big red lie bus. We'll also be talking about Francis Rossi, uh, bizarrely enough. But first of all, some extraordinary details emerging uh, from inside the EU negotiations. Uh, out of the New Statesman, Te- the Telegraph, Politico, the BBC's Westminster Hour. Now, I don't know, um, I don't know where we want to start with all of this map, but it seems that the British side are complaining that the EU aren't letting them have any water. Uh, that David Davis is using a special briefcase which uses digital blocking to conceal its contents from the EU, which means that they can't see what sandwiches he's got because he's got nothing else in there. No one is allowed to wear a smartwatch in the negotiations. The the UK side appear to believe that the French may be tapping their phones. I'm sure that would never happen. And then uh, the big piece in, in uh, Politico, uh, around a week ago now, some on the EU side believe that Britain are doing this all deliberately badly, that this sort of Johnny uh, Johnny English approach to the negotiations is just some massive ruse.
2: We're not that, we're not that smart, unfortunately. <laughs> I only wish that was true. But you suspect it's just, just cack-handedness, isn't it? Uh, and, and all the detail... Uh, is marvellous, but it does seem to demonstrate a broader malaise um, and a disintegration of, of trust and bonhomie. Uh, there's no more sort of face slapping from Junker and and, and sort of uh, arm pulling from Barnier. It's it's it descending now into into detail, nitty gritty nastiness. You know, which doesn't it just doesn't bode well, does it?
1: Not at all. No, I mean I, I really love the fact that the british are complaining that the eu won't give them any water.
2: Yeah. it is such a brilliantly have they british of bringing their own water in. well, there's that. isn't we're going to have to deal with this kind of stuff after brexit of course, aren't we? well, our own, our, our own water our own water, yeah.
1: and um yeah, i don't know about you and i don't know about you at, at home the the new european podcast listeners, but you know, we went out for dinner last night and at one point I didn't have any water, and, and I was quite thirsty, and I wanted well, some did you, water. How did
2: you deal with that?
1: I asked somebody if I could have some water. What?
2: Really? And what then happened?
1: They brought some water for us, yeah. Oh. For the whole table, it was tap water. So if,
2: what you're saying, if I'm reading yeah, the implications yeah, yeah. of this, yeah, yeah. if David Davis and his team are listening, if they feel like they're running short of water, they could a- what, what,
1: ask someone they for water? They could ask for water. Okay. So okay. I'm not entirely convinced that these negotiations are in the do you right think hands. That
2: so, what, so just to explore that a bit further, <laughs> yeah. do you think, in lieu of them not asking for water, they've just sat there gradually dehydrating? <laughs> and, and getting more and more angry. more and more pissed off <laughs> <Yeah>. about the, <laughs> the, the casual insouciance of I, these French bastards who we, won't bring us any water. We'd
1: never have thought of this. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, it is, yeah. it is a remarkably British thing to say, isn't it? That, that, that they wouldn't even <laughs> bring us any water without asking for any water. Yes. Simon Fraser, he was on. Uh, he was on the Westminster Hour. He was the sort of the. the, the Head mandarin what's
2: a mandarin? Just oh, it's like a smaller orange. But why are they called <laughs> I, why do we call why do we call like top sort of diplomatic characters after after small oranges? I, was, I have no idea,
1: but it's quite good, isn't it? Do you think that was on his like business card? Mandarin. Chief Mandarin. Head
2: of tangerines. Anyway, head of, who knows?
1: But so he said, that and, and obviously, Simon Fraser campaigned for remains. So, he, you know, he's, he's got, has he, got some skin in the We should say game. that. He
2: is a hardcore remainer. Yes, he, he is. is yeah.
1: And he said, you know, we haven't put forward a lot so far. This is a quote. We haven't put forward a lot because, as we know, there are differences within the cabinet about the sort of Brexit we're heading for. And until those differences are further resolved, it's very difficult for us to have a clear position. Yes. So it's either we're lulling them into a false sense of security... Mm. And we're going to hit them with something, and we're going to actually. Yeah. David Davis will open his secure briefcase to reveal loads of water.
2: What's your next best guess?
1: Or it's what Simon Fraser right. says, isn't it?
2: I'm with that one. Yeah, I think. Well, we, I mean, I don't even know what the dispute is. So when this, when Simon Fraser gave, I think it was the Today Programme, wasn't it? Again, who, by the way, have had it? The Today Programme's done really, really. I mean, despite what you think about the BBC's inherent bias one way or the other the today program I think has had a succession of really good scoops around brexit yeah. and has unusually for radio set the agenda in a lot of a lot of this stuff anyway Fraser I think it was on today said you know we're we're confused we are uh, split in the cabinet so the whole last 12 months has been absorbed with internal arguments so of course it's very difficult for anybody to divine a coherent position. In Europe or or otherwise. And that is patently true. Yes. There's just no other interpretation because they stand out on the doorsteps and give quotes that are completely incompatible with each other, you know, on a a weekly basis. If it wasn't for the fact that they're all either walking in Switzerland or going to German operas together right now, we'd have had a succession of it this week as well. You know, they are at odds. There's no doubt about it. There's no pretense. There's no, there's really, there's no discussion that we are totally confused about what Brexit still means. Uh, what is it now? 15 months? Yeah, 14 months. 15 14 months, months yeah. after, uh, after the vote. So, of course, you know, whose fault is that? Well, ultimately, it's got to be laid at the door of the Tory party. Surely. I mean, you can point your finger at the Labour party, but in reality, they're irrelevant in this argument. There's only one party sitting around the table negotiating and they don't know what they're negotiating for and it's not, as we said last week you know, it's not about the civil service, our civil service is the best in the world, blah 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 but if you're led by people who've got no clue about where you're meant to be going then you can't do your job properly so I I suspect when they all come back off their extraordinarily long break given that we are in the middle of the most challenging period in, in British political history since the end of the Second World War, the fact that when they come back off these marvellously long holidays, we will again be exposed to reality, which is we haven't got a bloody clue where we're going.
1: Yeah. Exactly, Theresa May is returning uh, is, is returning uh, next week. I think there is talk of um, a lot of a raft of negotiation papers being released uh, on Monday of next week, uh, which um, which will will bring some clarity to our position. But uh, you know, again, I think we'll wait and see mm. uh, with that. Uh, a couple of people who are involved in bringing that clarity are obviously Boris Johnson and Michael Gove. Now this week. Surprisingly enough, it was revealed that the cost of weekly cost of EU membership in the last year was not three hundred and fifty million. This is i know this yeah. is going to come as a shock to you, Matt. Yeah. It, it wasn't. It wasn't three hundred and fifty million pounds what it, a week. Steve? Was it? Was it more or less? It was. It was. It was less. A lot less or a little less? It was quite a lot less. Do oh. you know how much it was? I do
2: actually. Yeah. It was one hundred and fifty-six million.
1: It's one hundred and fifty-six million. That's. I'm no mathematician, but that's that's nearly two hundred million. Adrift, a week less than they lied about, isn't it?
2: Do you think that's down to just a slip of the finger on the yeah, calculator, I think so, yeah. or are they abject liars?
1: It's a cal- well, it's probably. Uh, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and just say they are just. Abject liars. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it was a complete lie. So will
2: wait. Will the NHS get the? At least they'll get the 156 million. Well, I don't even
1: think they. Do you not think that. they'll get that? No, I don't think. Is they're Is that gonna because get we're going to have
2: to pay 36 billion to get out of this?
1: Well, in, just in the first place, and then oh. we're going to have to rebuild our entire economy, aren't we? But
2: I, I, do you know, none of this seems to make any
1: sense it, to me. It, maybe this was on the other side of the bus, but, or on the underneath of the bus. What? Maybe there was a little <laughs> asterisk that we didn't spot, and then it was. You know, see driver for details. This is
2: all bollocks, but (laughs) let's get out anyway. Exactly.
1: So, Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, Keir Starmer have Keir Starmer worryingly have not said anything about this Chukka Ramuna continuing to fight the good fight. Mm. James Chapman, however, has said something. James Chapman.
2: Well, honestly, what a guy. He's left the dark side. And joined he, the rebel. He Alliance. Is.
1: so. If you know, if you've missed this, he is the former chief of staff to to David Davis. He was yeah. in the the department
2: for Brexit, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, was yeah. like one of the guys behind Project Fear. I mean, he's a no. former political editor of the Mail, isn't he? So yes, and and to categorise him correctly, he almost universally respected and considered a very calm, steady, intelligent, thoughtful political editor. So not not sort of a rabid kind of male stereotype, Daily Mail stereotype. Yeah. Um, but central to Project Fear, central to the whole Leave um, philosophy and the execution of the campaign, uh, and now probably the sing- outside of you know, Alistair Campbell and ourselves and all of this, absolutely leading the charge dogmatically about what a car crash this is.
1: Yeah, I mean, a series of <laughs> quite brutal tweets uh, over the last few days. Uh, he's been on the radio as well. Uh, I think the, 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 the sort of the headline one is is where he said, "Let's be honest. If we had an effective electoral law, leading Brexiteers would now be in jail." #Hashtag Where's my 350 million pounds a week, Boris? Do
2: you, do, you, do you know something extraordinary as well is that? He's joined the staff of the Guardian. He? Uh, yeah, and he starts in September because I asked him on Twitter, it, "Would you write for the New European?" Oh yes. And yeah. he yeah. said, "And he said, I can't. I'm signed up for the." For the Guardian. So, I mean, it's, his conversion is absolutely it is, total.
1: It's, yeah. Total. He is Saul on the road, the road to Damascus. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: It is quite remarkable. But, 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 Steve, I mean, the important point about this is that there is definitely a uh, a growing sense that uh, of open sentiment that Brexit is a disaster. I think it's yes. always been there, but I think people are getting just a little bit more encouraged by people like James Chapman, people who write for us, people who are being very open in other publications about what uh, a car Matthew Parrish wrote a great piece yes, about he did. Know, representative democracy's failure in all of this. And that's only going to increase over time. You know, pe- the, people aren't going to um, uh, be as afraid as they have been in the last six months about challenging the referendum. And the reason for me is that they're more confident that the people at large in the country are changing their minds. Yeah. And so... All of this, Aaron Banks said uh, to me on Twitter, I said, you know, uh, one of the things James uh, Chapman tweeted was hashtag EUREF19, and I thought, great, OK, you know, let's this can be the start of the of the movement towards a second referendum, which, you know, I, I vacillate wildly whether that's possible or not, but, you know, I really think it would be a terrific idea. So he, and then Aaron Banks said, dream on. If there was another referendum, it would just be a greater show of the will of the people, you know, and obviously from his point of view, too vote to leave so but if that's your case aaron then what's your problem yeah let's, Bring have, it let's on. have a go let's yeah. have it let's have it you know it's now getting to the point where if sentiment is on the move and moving against brexit then the anti-democratic uh, position is somebody arguing vociferously that we can't have our say on the final deal that's anti-democratic mm. so what are they afraid of these people you know so i think we're going to see a growing groundswell of people moving towards the second referendum i think you're going to see that hashtag eu ref 19 popping up a lot more and it'll challenge people again politically if we think we're sort of out of the woods on this politically as far as the existing uh uh, uh political structures the tory party and the labour party are concerned they're not they have got a whole load of trauma to go mm. through internally and so the situation is probably more volatile than it's ever been in the last twelve months. It's just that because everyone's buggered off on holiday, it doesn't quite feel like that at the moment.
1: Yes, yes, I, yes, that's right. And I, I, it, well, there's, I think it's things are beginning to. It's things are bubbling to the surface now, aren't they? Mm. And uh, facts. and the return. F- yes, actual facts are yeah, bubbling yeah. to the <laughs> surface. Uh, who would have thought of that? Yeah. The, um, the, I think the, the bus thing though has been greeted with a. In some areas, a bit of fatigue. Well, we already yeah. knew that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, f- I find it quite extraordinary. Some Brexiteers have, have, have said in response to stuff that we have done about it. Well, it was made clear at the time that it was just the, you know, the gross figure and that it was yeah. net. But so, so they're basically saying we, we were actually lying during the campaign as well, well as, this as, is as the lying. Key now. Point,
2: isn't it? I mean, if that's their moral footprint, that they say, ah, well, semantically we were correct, hmm. but. Let's not talk about the spirit of the message. Well, that's an argument, but it's not an argument that I would suggest they should be comfortable making. Because, you know, you're talking about a wholesale breach of trust there. You know, if you're presenting a single fact out of context to the point where it's actually inaccurate and absurd, yes. a suggestion, but, and then later falling back and saying, Ah oh, no, but, you know, what we said letter by letter was a fact... Uh, then you're guilty of deception and manipulation, you know, and that that that's an horrific thing that we're now all just accepting, you know. If people are shrugging their shoulders, and if people are weary of that, then we are screwed, you know. If that's what politics has become, then we are absolutely screwed. If people are prepared to tolerate that with that with nothing more than a shrug of a shoulder, they've been cheated and lied to, and their kids will pay the price. And, and shrug they shrug your shoulders. Oh yeah. Christ almighty. But then,
1: you know, look at the, oh, look at the I mean, look at the, they're, they're dwindling, but there's still 38% of people in, in the USA who think Donald Trump is doing a great job, and they are yeah. willing to swallow any sort of lies, so
2: is, can you just say anything now? But they'll all be able to, well you can, but they'll, they'll be able to kick Trump out in three years, yes. and God willing they will, but Brexit you can't kick out, unfortunately. Yes, So Brexit the consequences is forever. For us, Brexit is which not is, just for Christmas.
1: Which is a really that would if that was if that's the title of the next James Bond film, that would be Brexit is d- forever. Brexit is forever. Brexit
2: is forever. Forever. Forever.
1: Um, no, Daniel Craig would look even more depressed than he normally does, collecting yeah. his huge fee to play James would he come Bond. Come
2: out in, the, in like sort of uh, Union Jack pants. Yeah, shorts, yeah, Yeah, speedos, yeah, he'd emerge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with a sort of purple and yellow logo on his arse.
1: I was, I was, I'm, 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 remarkably morally outraged by this bus thing now, and I was, I spent a, a, a happy few minutes um, this week looking at what the de- they did in medieval times to liars. What did there, they do? There was something called the pair. They deprived them of water. The, well, they. That's <laughs> right. Yes. They locked them in a in a secure <laughs> briefcase. Maybe
2: this is the French. <laughs> Because this is what we do to liars in France. They had the pair,
1: They yes. had something called the pair of anguish, which is Ooh, not well, as fun. It's not as fun as Where it sounds. Where did sound. they stick the pair It of was a. It was sort a, a metallic pair, which yeah. they put in the mouths of liars and or blasphemers. Yes. And then they would turn a handle on the end of the pair of anguish, and the yes. pair would slightly would expand. open and would expand wow. until it, cracked until open it their cracks jaws. your cheeks or jaws or whatever, Fantastic. depending on.
2: I, th- I can think of little else more appropriate. I mean someone.
1: it just it would be it would be marvelous. So bring back the pair of anguish. Yeah. Uh and we'll turn now to Francis Rossi. Uh as as we we, we always should do. Yeah. Um Francis Rossi the
2: great Francis the Rossi the great Francis Rossi yeah.
1: now bereft of Rick Parfitt sadly obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Has Francis Rossi has come out against Brexit. Yeah. And he, he did Obviously, preferred the status quo anyway, yeah. which is my Uh-oh. joke. That yeah. is the joke of the week on the new he's European with that, podcast. the reality
2: of living on an island.
1: <laughs> Very much so, yes. Uh, so he said, uh, "Status quo were in Norway when Brexit was decided. On stage, I said, You are seeing a band that used to be European. Everybody laughed. Well, I'd question whether everybody laughed at that, but it's no longer funny. This is a gigantic effing mistake. I do recognise there are problems with the structure of the EU, but I like the idea that we all belong together. This is a project for the future, for something we want to be in sixty, seventy,
2: or a hundred years. Francis Rossi I couldn't say it better myself. I it's, mean, majestic. It is. But majestic. I've always loved Francis Ross. I was a big Status Quo fan when I was a, a kid. They were the first band I ever saw live in a in a sort of. Three thousand arena somewhere in Widnes or something, and I remember my dad sort of dropping me off very tentatively amongst all these smelly, peculiar old sorts of bikers and denim jacket people, and and then banging my head so hard that I literally I literally lost the power to prop- keep my head up for <laughs> the next two days. It was like it was on a hinge, <laughs> and, uh, but but he. He's a very smart guy, Francis Rossi, and that's a very eloquent exposition is, of why we should uh, why we've made a big mistake. So I hope people totally. listen totally,
1: yeah, totally. I was very surprised to hear that from Francis Rossi. Yeah. Um, just, uh, just, just indulge me here. So, so. I was surprised about Francis Rossi. I thought Francis Rossi looked a bit Brexity. Okay. So I just want to run through these people with you and you tell me whether you think that they were okay. Brexit or Remain. Gosh. The first one is is Cheryl Baker out of Bucks Fizz.
2: Well, she must be Remain. I mean, the only reason we know who she is is that it's because of one of the great European projects.
1: But ironically... No, really? Despite Maybe it was having half of her skirt ripped off yeah. in a... You know, publicly. In, in publicly in the service of yeah. the Eurovision she vision. Too? She is full Brexit,
2: yeah. Oh Sir
1: God. Elton John.
2: Well, he's a very smart guy. He's got to be Remain. He is Remain. Yeah. Uh, Sir Roger Daltrey. Mm. Mm. I'd have to... My All my, my guts screaming. Lever. He's a trout farming Lever. Is he? Yeah, he's a it's Lever. Sh- it's a
1: shame, isn't it? What tragic. a voice.
2: It just shows you that some people should have got to die before they got too old Brian Adams from Canada, Canada. Canada's Brian yeah, Adams Yeah, yeah, everything I well, do well, the only, I do it for you the only plausible reason he could be on this list is that he's a hardcore Remainer he is a hardcore lever, is he? he
1: is, he oh. is a lever what Ad- what's his basis well problem? he just thinks that the UK he is strong to- enough to stand up without all of that who
2: cares what he yeah, thinks well, the- Canadian pop musician
1: the Brian Adams yeah yeah He's uh, Brian Adams is quite well known, isn't he, in, in, in London circles for buying a luxury flat next to a pub and then complaining that the pub was, was keeping Lloyd, him up. Yeah. I think he actually bought the pub and closed it down in the oh, end. He's a bit daft, isn't he? Uh, so he is a le- and finally, Simon Cowell.
2: Well, I'm hoping and praying that he's a Remainer.
1: Well, I want him to be a Lever, but he is actually he is a, a Remainer. Remain- yeah. He's
2: a very clever man. And he's also given jobs to loads of journalists. Yes, he has given jobs. Of, That's right. fallen out of newspaper industry into big jobs. So, so, Simon, well done, you. Well done, Simon. Okay. okay, Matt Kelly, we will
1: be back next week to discuss the return of the Maybot. The Brexiteer of the Week. Brexiteer of the week now, and staying with the theme of post-truth and just downright lies, uh, an honourable mention for Diane James. She was leader of UKIP for 18 days, you might remember, in Scaramucci terms, that's being a grizzled veteran. Diane James took to Twitter this week uh, to allege that the Bank of England was keeping rates on hold to deflate sterling, putting out gloomy economic predictions to get a floppy Brexit. So, um, Diane James well is there any evidence for this not really but there is in the mind of Diane James David Curtin, he's standing for the UKIP leadership this time, he has accused the Tories of, and I quote pushing gender queer theory on primary schools and he said that UKIP under his leadership would be standing against militant transgender activism That these things aren't actually happening David, um, I really hope that David uh, Curtin's uh, campaign slogan by the way is curtains for UKIP, um, but I'm not holding out any hope on that, Nigel Farage he's another one, just saying things. that he plainly knows to be untrue. Virtually on the day that Donald Trump's approval ratings hit a record low, 38%, he went on TV and he said that all the attempts to try and paint the Trump campaign as being run and influenced by the Russians are entertaining the liberal elite, but in real America it's just making support for Trump even stronger. Even Kellyanne Conway the same day came on the TV to say that Trump's approval ratings were worryingly low and they needed to adjust them. So truth is an abstract concept, isn't it? An abstract concept. Another abstract concept is UKIP itself. Uh, Just 19 party members turned up to their leadership hustings in Newport last weekend. Uh, To put that into perspective, there are actually 11 people uh, have put their names down to run in the contest. So 19 uh, possible voters... Eleven possible candidates. It's going to be uh, it's going to be hard to get a really huge majority out of that. The Welsh Assembly member David Rowlands, uh, another one who's uh, just, uh, the, the, his concepts of the what is actually real or not strikes me as being very very fluid. He said that the poor turnout was down not to fatigue with UKIP but fatigue with politics in general, which. You know, look at the crowds that Jeremy Corbyn attracts. Clearly that is not true, is it? Uh, the next, uh, the runner-up for Brexiteer of the week this week is Anne-Marie Waters. She was one of four of candidates for the UKIP leadership who turned up at those New- uh, the Newport hustings. She began her opening statement with the words, I am not an extremist. I've never been an extremist. Neither are the people most of the people that I have worked with. Now, Anne-Marie Waters has described Islam as evil and said Islam is a killing machine. Anne-Marie Waters has worked with former EDL leader Tommy Robinson. So that's Anne Waters, remember. Anne-Marie Waters, who is not an extremist and has never been an extremist and has never worked with people who are extremists. Again, the truth is a fluid concept. But the Brexiteer of the week, it saddens me to say, is the late Princess Diana. She has asserted her support for leaving the EU from beyond the grave in an interview with psychic healer Simone Simmons for Mail Online. Miss Simmons told Mail Online, "'I know a lot of people aren't going to like it, but Diana said we've got to vote for Brexit.' Britain was great economically and production wise before we joined the EU. Diana was interested in the referendum and she suggested I vote to leave because Britain was really great before the EU. Now, this is a tremendous scoop for the mail, and oddly, it's the most believable thing they've published about Brexit for years. So, Princess Diana is the Brexiteer of the Week.
0: Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to the New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One or order online at our website www.theneweuropean.co.uk Stay angry, fight Brexit, subscribe to The New European
1: finally today I'm joined by Jerry Scott to discuss uh, your response to uh, well the big theme of the week the bending of the truth the use of lies the 350 million pound bus which turned out to be a hundred fifty million fifty six million pound bus I'm doing it myself now <laughs> uh, and all of that and off the back of that we um, we asked uh, new European podcast listeners and new european readers to tell us about the most preposterous lies they've ever told but first of all jerry i mean this you know the the 350 million pound thing a week was never true um we all said it wasn't true now it's been proven to be untrue do you think that michael gove and boris johnson are are bothered by this or do you think they'll just never talk about it again
0: i think they'll never talk about it again (laughs) (laughs) um brush it brush it under the carpet as if it didn't happen um and i don't really think it's um done them any harm either i don't think in all honesty that the general person on the street really cares we care about about it a lot in our jobs in the media um because it's our job to hold people to account but um, I really don't think it really makes much of much of a difference to many people.
1: I, I, I've got to say, a surprising number of people, including a couple of Remainers, have have um, have made that point uh, to us uh, in uh, over Facebook and uh, and Twitter uh and said that we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't get uh hung up on this and we should try and attack people on other uh, on other um the other the ENU negotiations and other things that are coming up and, and we shouldn't get bogged down uh on the bus i just think it's a really visible symbol of an obvious lie and i think it will continue to haunt them i think you're right though they won't choose to discuss it again uh but they'll probably have to um can you remember any amazing lies you told when you were a younger <laughs> Jerry Scott? I'm not not very obviously good. not. I'm going to give 350 million pounds a week of my pocket money no, to that the wasn't
0: NHS. A um, I'm not very good at lying because my memory's um, absolutely rubbish. So I forget what I've said. But um, I actually went travelling before I went to uni. Went in a gap year, um, and I was in uh, the South America. Um, I was in Texas, I was in um, Louisiana and uh, they're obsessed with the royals, absolutely obsessed. Someone asked me if I'd met the Queen and I took it and I was 18. You ran with it. I ran with it and I said, yeah, when you turn 18 in the UK, you have to meet the Queen. It's the law, you have to meet her and she has to welcome you into adulthood.
1: Brilliant, um, that sounds a bit sinister
0: <laughs> I know. Um, they believed me, or they didn't believe me at first, but then it was backed up by them asking where it happened I'm from Norfolk. We've got Sandringham in Norfolk. Oh, yeah. I mentioned Sandringham. They Googled it, and when it came up as being a royal estate, that concreted it. And I. Think I just about you got, got away, away with it, it. yeah. You managed to escape from
1: Louisiana without there being a sort of southern comfort. Just um,
0: about. <laughs> well,
1: you can't go back there again, which is a great shame. Um, I've
0: outed myself now. You
1: have, yeah, you have. So, any if anyone from Louisiana is listening, that doesn't actually happen. And Jerry Scott is a, is a preposterous liar, <laughs> although not a, a Boris Johnson-style liar. Um, I remember quite. Um, when i, I mean, it must have been when I went to secondary school I was qu- quite um I, and I left primary school and went to secondary school I was quite um I was quite into the TV show Mash, which uh, which you probably won't remember. But it was set in a in a military hospital in the Korean War, and um, one of the characters who was a sort of he was a you know a funny guy who had all the quips was called Hawkeye. And when we were asked you know to say something about us uh, ourselves uh, in front of our new classmates, I said that. Um, my nickname was Hawkeye and everybody at my old school <laughs> called me Hawkeye and everyone was to address me as Hawkeye and that lasted for about a week until somebody f- who w- went to my primary school turned up and went, "This, that, he's completely lying, he was never called that cool nickname at all.
0: I know what we'll
1: call you in the office now Yeah, old Hawkeye is back. I did work with somebody actually who um, who uh, one of his best friends was from Liverpool and he had his father used to take him on the ferry across the Mersey every weekend uh, I presume it's Mum and dad had split up and they would go on the ferry across the Mersey at the weekend and his dad would, would tell him that he, they were going to New York and he believed him and would go into school on Monday and say, oh, what Aww. did you do this weekend? <laughs> I went to New York and then obviously he'd be beaten up by all the other children. Anyway, the most outrageous lies that New European uh, listeners, uh, podcast listeners have told. Can you, can you t- read some of these out for us?
0: Uh, I can. I mean, I'm. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a football supporter. But I. Um, I can only imagine that this is a preposterous lie that <laughs> Kevin T says uh, that t- telling his kids to support Wolves was the worst lie he's ever told, um, and that it will be a lifetime of joy and success. Yeah,
1: it's not been a lifetime of joy and success if you support um, Wolves. Uh, Theresa Lorriman, What did she say? This was a particularly good one.
0: She said that she was told. Um, that childbirth wasn't as painful these days dear because there's nothing to be scared of Sort a male midwife apparently said to her um i think if you ask anyone they'll probably refute that um, and halfway through labor she told him what she thought yes, about that yes probably she, in some choice words i'd imagine she
1: did say that she did say that um She did say that that was in the 70s, which, as we all know, uh, the patented uh, trademark phrase is different times. Um, (laughs) But being assured... I I like the the phrase... I I like the way she she did say... uh, We asked her about this, and she did say that the male midwife had said, it isn't painful... Childbirth isn't painful these days, dear, (laughs) as she was uh, screaming with a a child um, inside of her. Um, Reg Oakley... Uh, I was quite confused by this one. He, Reg Oakley got a detention at school, Said, sort of said, oh, but much like Boris uh, Johnson and Michael Gove said, well, well, you know, we never said that was the, 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 the net figure. We always said it was the gross figure. The teacher told him to bring his excuses at the end of school and because he didn't have an excuse he didn't go i don't know whether he got another detention or some other kind of uh punishment but um but there you go um we also had Jeremy Newman, who is at the bottom of the sheet there, uh, there that you have. Um, this, this is this is good. This is not an <laughs> excuse at all, or a lie. It's
0: completely true. It is um, true. He said he's not very good at lies, but when he was fourteen, a guinea pig really did eat his homework, um, and that it'd take a lie detector to prove it. But you would think that was a lie, wouldn't you?
1: That is quite good, isn't it? And maybe the greedy
0: guinea pig,
1: the greedy guinea pig, and maybe David Davis could. That would be more plausible. He could say we haven't prepared. Any documents on these <laughs> negotiations because the the sort of the, the Brexit office guinea pig has eaten all of our documents. Um, finally, there is this one from uh, from Jim uh, and. Uh, do you want to read this out, or shall I? It's again, it's football related. <laughs>
0: it is football related. I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah, go um, on. Jimmy, see, 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 this last. <laughs> As I used, he I used, says, He used to see a
1: last yeah. who he
0: says was a belter. Yeah. Um, she lived in Runcorn, um, but would only go to Blackburn when, um, where she had a house every now and again. Right. Right. So one. So she fright. was.
1: She lived in Runcorn. Yeah. She had a house in Blackburn, but she'd only come back to Blackburn. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: We're on, we're on the right track. Um, so one Friday night she called him up, and she bought to go um she wanted to go out, but Jim he wanted to watch uh, Leeds versus Stuttgart on the telly um and had to make up an excuse and the yeah. first thing that came into his head was that he was taking someone else out. <laughs>
1: that's not a good excuse
0: Um, unsurprisingly he never saw or heard from her again and um, he said he was absolutely mortified when he put the phone down and then uh, went for an 18 month barren patch
1: (laughs) an 18 month barren patch it is not a great excuse is it I'm I'm going out with somebody else not if you expect to see them again but it is a bit more plausible than the excuse that uh, £350 million is actually £156 million and we may that all along um it's been a crazy week in brexit thank you jerry scott thank you to all of you for uh listening theresa may comes back from holiday next week that means that this podcast will be uh even livelier than it's been for the last two weeks. Theresa May will be back. Richard Porritt will also be back to host. a coincidence. Have they been away (laughs) together? We don't know. I wouldn't like to say. It would be fascinating uh, to see what happens. Thank you for listening. Please, uh, if you're on iTunes, please um, give us a great review. Uh, counteract the the, uh, Brexiteers uh, who've given us a couple of nasty reviews. We need all of your support. Keep listening, and we'll speak to you next week.